There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Milne-Tide. So today's show is a bit of a departure from the norm and that it doesn't have the usual guests. I got the idea because recently I was interviewed by another podcaster, Sarah Holtz, for her show, Advice to My Younger Me. Sarah's one of my listeners. And sometimes I'll get questions from listeners about how I do things or why I don't produce more episodes or something like that. And I suddenly thought, why don't I ask Sarah to interview me again, but for my show about how I make the broad experience? So that's what you're going to get in this short episode. A little background on the show, how I put it together, and what might happen next. Here's Sarah. You are really a pioneer in the podcast arena. Uh, You've been doing the broad experience for more than five years. And, you know, you were there at sort of the very beginning when podcasting became popular. What motivated you to start the broad experience? It was kind of an accident. I was, it was uh, spring 2012, and I was studying on this entrepreneurial journalism program at CUNY, which is the City University of New York. And we all had to give birth to a media business. And I knew I wanted to do something around the topic of women. And I knew it was going to be a podcast because audio was my medium. I was a, a longtime radio reporter. So that was, it was by far my favorite medium. You know, it's the most intimate medium there is. I love it. So the, the, the program I was on was a big instigator. But as for the idea why I wanted to do something around women and how it came to be about women in the workplace... There's this program in the UK on BBC called Woman's Hour, which has been around for decades, which is a a daily news program about women's topics and from a a woman's perspective. And I'd always enjoyed listening to it when I was at home in England. I would always tune in if I was at home on the, the time of day that it ran. And I thought when I was at CUNY developing my idea, I thought, you know, there's really nothing like that in the States that I'm aware of that considers the news from a women's point of view. So I started going down that route and my professor said, that is far too big a topic. It's too broad. You will never be able to make that work as one person. You've got to go niche. You've got to think of something smaller. And I had been thinking about women and workplace stuff for a little while because of things that had happened to me in the workplace and also because I had a lot of my favorite reporting that I'd done for Marketplace the public radio show that I worked for for a long time was about women and then add to that the fact that I started to think about myself in the workplace and my treatment compared to a colleague or two and and also my own reactions and the way I had been raised and was myself behaving in the workplace which is in a much more deferential manner than I think I need needed to have done and all that combined to make me think well if I've made 
these, you know, quote, mistakes in my career that I didn't even realize were mistakes until quite recently and until it was too late, then I bet there are other women out there who who also want to hear about this and think about new ways to approach things and who perhaps want to explore this whole topic in a deeper way than it has been explored. So that was really it. So how do you pick the topics that you focus on? Because your show has had just an incredibly wide range of topics from ambition to nannies, Um, you know, very, very different kinds of topics. So how do you pick the topics that you focus on? It's a real combination of ways. So in more recent years, since I've had more listeners, listeners have been great sources for show ideas and also guests on the show. I mean, I did this recent show about being overweight at work and that was suggested by a few different listeners over a couple of years have you thought about this and I finally wrote back to a couple of those listeners and said if I did this show would you be in it and they said yes and that that really made the show for me having those people telling their stories and then sometimes it's something obvious like what's going in the on in the news at the moment so the show I'm working on right now that probably at least some people will have heard by the time this one comes out is going to be another show around the topic of sexual harassment because you can't not talk about this when it's all we're hearing about in the news Uh, and then there are things that you know sometimes it's just something little that has happened in my life and I think I think this is interesting enough to talk about or it'll come up in conversation with a friend Or sometimes I'm reading something and I'll just read a paragraph of a piece and it'll get me thinking about a different topic and I'll think, ooh, you know, maybe I'll do a show on that. Or I'll read, I remember one woman I found because I came across a blog post she wrote about some experiences she'd had at work and I thought, God, she's such a good writer. She writes in such a conversational way. I bet she'll be a good talker. So let's say one that struck me was the woman, I think that you did one about Mormon women. Yeah, she's a listener. Okay, and so that she brought that to you as a topic. No, that so that it wasn't that simple. Um, so whenever listeners write to me, which they do quite frequently, I'll always get back to them, and I'll often ask them something about themselves because I'm curious, right? I mean, I'm I'm curious about everything, but I'm curious about my listeners and who they are and what they do and where they live. So I usually ask them some questions, and that particular woman, Brooke Lark, wrote back quite a lot. And she, one of the things she said was something about my group of ex-Mormon moms is listening to your podcast or something along those lines. And I thought, God, I had no idea that anyone Mormon or ex-Mormon was listening to my show. That's fascinating. And I, we just, we had a, a short exchange where she told me a little bit about her life. And I, I, I bookmarked it in my head and I said, she sounds really interesting. I'm going to come back to her at some point. Great. So you, you touched on this about what's involved in producing an episode. Like from the standpoint of the listener, we just listen to this flawlessly produced episode and we just assume that it, you know, that's the way it it evolved. But that's not true at all. So can you walk us through what's actually involved in producing one of your episodes? It can vary a little bit depending on the episode. So normally I will have more than one guest. I'm 
if I have one guest, it's sort of a treat for me because it's so much less work because I'm not editing so much tape. I like to have two or sometimes more guests. I try and keep it to two just for my own sanity. But so first, you know, you find the guests. I'm reaching out to them, emailing them. Sometimes I'll ask to have an initial conversation on the phone if I don't know the person at all, just to see what they sound like. Are they as interesting as I think they are? that kind of thing and then you you know you book an interview which in most cases is not going to be in person because I'm in New York and most of my guests are not so sometimes it is and that's great but most of the time I'm speaking to them on the phone or on Skype and either hiring a producer in their town or city to go to their house and tape their side of the conversation and send me that tape so I have good quality tape I really don't like using Skype tape and I hate using phone tape and I hardly ever have done that sometimes I will fall back on Skype but very often I'm getting the person to either record themselves using an app on their iPhone and send me that file afterwards so I have good quality tape that they're recording or I'm hiring a professional to record them And, you know, the interview, depending on the person's time, can be anywhere between half an hour to an hour plus. I try and keep it to the 45 minute or less mark just because I have so much editing to do to produce a show that I try to keep to the 25-ish minute mark. Um, So the real work comes in the editing. You know, you transcribe these interviews. I go through highlighting the best stuff, the most interesting stuff. Then I have to build something of a story you know if you have two guests well are you going to have guest one and then have a break and then feature guest two story or can you can you blend them together any radio producer will tell you you build your story from the clips of your interviewee so you have all have all my favorite interviewee cuts all lined up and then I order them in terms of how I think the story should go and then I start writing my own narration around those clips of the interviewee. Well I'm guessing a lot of your listeners are surprised to hear that there's a lot of darlings that wind up on the cutting room floor in other words that many of your episodes you've actually had interviews that were two or three times as long as what they're hearing. Oh, yeah, totally. So what's the biggest challenge for you in doing your podcast work? I'm not sure that there is one biggest challenge. I mean, I suppose you could say, yeah, I mean, the biggest challenge is just getting it done. I don't know if it's fair to say that every show takes 20 hours. It might be it might be less. And sometimes I think it might be more because you also have all the technical side of things. So it can feel like the biggest challenge is simply getting the show out in a timely manner when I'm so busy with actual other paying work. I try to produce the show every two weeks. That's um, traditionally, it's been, it's released every two weeks. The, The release date is supposed to be on a Monday. And many times I've stuck to that. This year, that's been a lot harder to stick to because I've had a lot of other work, which is great. You know, it's great for my bottom line, but it's not great for getting the podcast out on time. So it'll slip by two or three days sometimes and come out later in the week. But so, yeah, I would say the biggest challenge most of the time is just being able to get the thing out to meet my own expectations. So what is a topic that you would love to cover in the future or someone that you would love to interview? 
So one of the topics that I have been wanting to do for at least three years and I just haven't got around to, I want to do a show about late bloomers because I've never been somebody who was successful at the quote right time. Like I have friends who knew what they wanted to do when they were 18. They went and they started to build their careers when they were 21 and now they're really successful and they've got these great titles. And my career has been a real mess. Like it's been starting off in my 20s doing jobs that really weren't a career because I really had no idea what I should be doing and then finding journalism when I was about 30 but you're starting at the bottom when you're 30 and so and then it's just been messy and so I've always felt like I have in many aspects of life I have not found my feet until I was past the stage when other people had found their feet so I'd really like to do a show about late bloomers and focus on women who were they didn't have a conventional career ladder type path and found something they were really into and good at later in life. So that's a show I I really would like to do because I think it could be quite inspiring. As for people, Gloria Steinem, part of me would really like to interview Gloria Steinem and part of me is worried about just celebrity interview overkill. You know, you're talking to people who have been interviewed over and over again for 45 years or something Part of me thinks, do I really want to interview her? Is there going to be anything new, anything that I make her think about that she hasn't thought about before? I don't know. So, So honestly, I'm thinking less about celebrities these days because I've had such great conversations with people who aren't celebrities. And I feel like I've learned much more from these regular everyday women you know, including the nanny I interviewed a couple of years ago than I have from anyone I've spoken to who is who is more well-known. So what's ahead for the broad experience? Five years in, um, have a remarkable catalog of episodes, uh, a loyal following, an active Facebook group. What's ahead? Another good question that I don't, I don't have an answer to in, it's not like, I have these grand plans for next year. And another, I think, a sort of casualty or the, another aspect of the fact that I do this alone is that it's, it is produced to a certain extent by the seat of the pants, right? I don't, I have some planning. Like I have shows that I'd like to do and ideas and people I'd like to reach out to, but I don't have grand sort of six month, one year plans because I'm so busy again, focusing on the work that that pays me. Um, not to say that I don't earn, I should be clear that I do earn some money from the broad experience, but the sponsorships that especially American listeners here, they don't bring in a lot of money because I don't have tens of thousands of listeners. Obviously, the more listeners you have, the more money you'll get from from sponsorship. That's how it works. And, I, and some listeners very kindly have paid me a one-off donation or pay me a monthly donation, which is really nice. But it's something I do out of love, mostly. Definitely a passion project. Well, there have been years when I've got a lot more money from it. Ironically, these were years before podcasting exploded and I was acting as my own salesperson and I managed to engage with a bunch of sponsors who were willing to pay me far more than the standard rates. But since it's also very time consuming being your own salesperson. I have given that over to Acast, my podcast host. Uh, but the downside is they work with within traditional parameters of, of what you should be paid, uh, depending on your listeners. So it's not 
a huge money earner for me, obviously, at the moment. I wish it could be less seat of the pants. I wish I could say I have these grand plans. And actually, I am planning to focus a bit more in the early part of the new year. I do want to think more about marketing and getting the word out there because that is the hardest thing for any independent podcaster to do is let the world know that you exist. And it's kind of funny because I have been around for a long time and you might think that I might be helped by the enormous explosion in podcasts, but it's actually not the case because there are now so many podcasts out there. There's so much for people to choose from. Many of these shows have huge companies behind them. They're part of a podcasting group like Gimlet or Panoply in the US at least. They have huge marketing arms and, and they can attract attention. And that is the hardest thing for an indie. I mean, as you know, as a podcaster as well, you're a podcaster and you know how hard it is to to make yourself known. So that's always the big challenge. And I'd, I'd like to attack that with a little more vigor next year because I think the show could have quite a big audience if only more people knew about it. But again, it's tough as an indie to make yourself known. Well, I'm going to I'm going to make a suggestion to your other loyal listeners. I'm one of them. And that is that everybody commit to sharing the broad experience with one of their friends who will both thank them for uh, putting them on to such a great podcast and which will also help Ashley in uh, expanding her audience. Thank you, Sarah. And thanks for being the interviewer in this show. You can find Sarah's show, Advice to My Younger Me, in all the usual podcast places or at tomyyounger.me. That's it from me till the end of January. Remember, there is a whole back catalogue of episodes if your ears are craving entertainment or inspiration. Happy New Year, everyone, and thanks for listening. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. See you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.